This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. We can't have nice things. <laughs> the whole time, I'm like, I'm gonna do it. Change my mind. I fidget with things during the show, but it, it's silent. Yeah, but I have a PVC pipe <laughs> that makes sounds. You left me with something that makes sounds. Oh goodness! So, moving from one weird thing to the next. Welcome back to Pizza and Varsex. <laughs> I'm Dave. I'm Liv. And today we're going to be talking about a very weird show. We're going to be talking about Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Is that the theme song? Mm-hmm. Let's let's just get this out of the way up front. Disclaimer: This is not a family friendly show in the slightest. Mm-mm. Why don't we just put a blanket statement and, and just say that this is not a show for children? It has language and other explicit content. Exactly. Far from a show for children. So. Let's get things kicked off by talking not about the show, but about the origin of our heroes here. So Doom Patrol was created by writers Arnold Drake and Bob Haney and artist Bruno Premian. I don't think I said his last name right, but that's fine. We forgive you. With Doom Patrol in general, do you guys like X-Men? Liv, do you like X-Men? Yes. Myself and the listener like (laughs) (laughs) X-Men. Do you guys like X-Men? Babe, who else are you talking to in the room? Is there a ghost? Talking to the <laughs> 64 other people in my head. Oh, no. But in all seriousness, Doom Patrol and X-Men are very, very, very similar. But Doom Patrol did it first, predating X-Men by about three months. Haha, <laughs> DC did it first again. So tell me if this sounds familiar. A wheelchair-bound leader brings together a group of broken, metahuman misfits and outcasts that would otherwise be rejected by society, all under the same roof in a mansion. And their arch-nemesis is a brotherhood. Doom Patrol has the Brotherhood of Evil. X-Men has the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Doom Patrol's tagline was the world's strangest heroes, and X-Men was the strangest superheroes of all. I've never heard that before in my life. (laughs) Just kidding. That's crazy. That's like absolutely insane. Yeah. So Drake even thought at one point that Stanley directly copied him, but he could never get proof on it. We all know Stanley directly copied most things DC did. I'm not going to go so far as to say that. I said it. I'm not making an open declaration on that. You can. I am. But it is interesting how closely they resemble one another. And Doom Patrol makes it a point to even make fun of that throughout the series. And I think even in the last episode, they kind of parodied the X-Men in their own way. (laughs) You're right. That doesn't make sense. That was a good episode. I told my mom about that episode. She thought it was so funny. At any rate, so... Doom Patrol started as a comic called My Greatest Adventure. Now, 
if you're familiar with action comics and detective comics, you're familiar with these anthology series that introduce characters that would then go on to have their own standalone series. With action comics, we got Superman. With with detective comics, we got Batman. And the same thing happened here with My Greatest Adventure. It spawned the Doom Patrol. In issue 80 in June 1963, we are introduced to Doom Patrol. Five issues later, they rebranded and called the comic Doom Patrol. Now, in 1968, Drake ended up killing off the Doom Patrol, and it was left untouched for a number of years. Other writers rebooted Doom Patrol in the 70s and 80s, such as legendary author Paul Kupperberg, who, if you don't already know, has written and or contributed to close to 2,000 comic book stories. Dude is a legend. But in 1989, Grant Morrison took these characters and elevated them in such a profound way. And I think this is what a lot would consider to be the definitive Doom Patrol run. And I'm actually making my way through this run now. But this is the same run that gives us Crazy Jane and Danny the Street. And a lot of the villains that we end up seeing in the Doom Patrol series. I love Danny the Street. Very much. (laughs) So... Jumping ahead to more recent years, the Doom Patrol as a TV series was actually a backdoor pilot on Titans. I think it was episode four or something like that. And while Doom Patrol was that backdoor pilot on Titans, the standalone story is actually staged in a separate continuity. If you watch Titans, you may have noticed that Beast Boy was part of Doom Patrol. Negative Man had sunglasses that more closely resembled what we get in the comics. And Chief could apparently walk again. Obviously, if you've seen Doom Patrol, this is quite different. So when Doom Patrol got its own standalone show, it was created by Jeremy Carver, who was the showrunner for a number of years on Supernatural. And what's interesting about this is he actually took some of the unproduced ideas from that show and put them in Doom Patrol. The one that I wanted to bring up to you, Liv, was... Ezekiel the Evangelical Cockroach was one of them. I love him so much. Mm. He's so funny. The last administrative item I'd like to cover for the show is, of course, the music. Doom Patrol features two of my favorite composers. The first, I don't think it even requires an introduction on our show, Kevin Kiner. Uh, This is a man that needs no introduction on our show. And for a lot of our Uh, brothers and sisters in the Red 5 network who are well aware of this man's contributions in in Clone Wars. And the second composer, because there are two, is Clint Mansell. I have always loved his team-ups with Darren Aronofsky. And Requiem for a Dream and The Fountain are two of my absolute favorites. The score for those is just top-notch, Love it. Chef's Kiss. Liv, I think you've actually even danced to some of his music as well. I have. I was actually going to pull up which ones I've done. Um, I've done Summer Overture before. The very famous Requiem for a Dream score. Um, And I've also utilized his music for a lot of my own personal stuff. Like for class and things like that. Because he's a very, very good composer. So they've got a lot of talent on the back end of this. But um, what do you say we actually dive into what we like about the show? Okay. I mean, I can start by saying, you know, in a world where these superhero adaptations are a dime a dozen, Doom Patrol is really a standout and something really special. It's just a really, really weird show, 
but underneath all that are incredibly interesting characters. It's a show that doesn't lean heavily on action sequences. Most of the time, what you get isn't our heroes doing hero stuff. You know, saving people, fighting crime, things like that. Episodes aren't packed with that kind of thing. While it does do some of that, the majority of the show is just these characters living and doing their own thing and coming to terms with who they are. It draws you in with this band of misfits and explores these characters in an incredibly compelling way. They're broken characters, and as you learn more about their traumas and psyches, you see them evolve, both as individuals and as a team. That's really what makes this show special, is they focus so much on the character development and putting so much love and care into these characters. Yes. So being that, you know, the characters and the character development in this show is such a focal point, the, most of what we're going to talk about today are the characters. So Liv, what are your, some of your favorite characters and what do you like about them? Would love your thoughts. Well, I definitely think uh, Crazy Jane and Rita Farr are my favorite characters in the entire series, just because they both are vastly different from each other in certain aspects. Because sometimes Crazy Jane turns into somebody, I'm like, oh, it's Rita. Do you want to introduce who Crazy Jane is? Yeah. I don't know how to say her last name, though. (laughs) Guerrero. Guerrero. Okay, cool. It's Diane Guerrero, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, It's just, it's really cool to see how, like, the different personalities that Jane has sometimes can match Rita Farr, but I just love Rita Farr because she's prissy and sassy. But we have Diane Guerrero playing Crazy Jane. We have April, I'm going to butcher this, April Bobley playing Rita Farr. We have Matt Boomer, Bomber? Bomber. <laughs> Matt Bomber playing Larry. We have Brendan Fraser playing Cliff and Timothy Dalton playing Chief. And if you are like me and have no earthly idea who any of these people were by their names, let me give you a brief one, maybe two movie or TV show synopsis on who these people are and where you might have seen them before. Diane Guerrero, Orange is the New Black. April Bobley is from Drop Dead Diva. Matt Bomber, Magic Mike. He was in Magic Mike, just in case you needed to know. I mean, we all know who Brendan Fraser is. For the uninitiated, Brendan Fraser is what really made the mummy special. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I know Timothy Dalton as, I know him from Toy Story, because he was he was the porcupine in Toy Story. I know him from Bond. I am a James Bond fan through and through. Timothy Dalton is probably actually my favorite Bond. Two of my favorite Bond movies are Living Daylights and License to Kill. So when I saw him pop up on the screen, because I didn't look at the cast and crew of the show before watching it, I just lit up Mm -hmm. because I was so fired up to see him. And he plays this, uh, you know, Charles Xavier type role. Timothy Dalton plays Niles Calder, this wheelchair bound leader of this band of misfits. And he plays almost like a father figure to them while also having a lot of secrets of his own. And he just play he plays that role so incredibly well. And obviously, Timothy Dalton is a complete powerhouse. Um, so he, that was one of the re- things that initially really, really, really caught my eye 
Another one of the things was actually seeing Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. And this might sound bad. I barely recognized him. <laughs> I mean, same. And I'm not, I'm trying to be as respectful as I can about that. But right. he. It wasn't until he opened his mouth. It wasn't until he opened his mouth that, um, or he looks very different in this than you've typically seen Brendan Fraser. Yeah, he's a robot. So Brendan Fraser plays Robot Man. And if you want to look up Robot Man, you'll see that he is basically Iron Man, <laughs> completely made out of metal. And his kind, his kind of whole deal is he is only a brain in a metal body. And he brings the sass, something serious, to Doom Patrol. And I absolutely adore Brendan Fraser in this. And it's it's just, so, he's just so much fun. He's just so much fun. I mean, when you get him and Hammerhead together, it's just pure comedy on the screen. Definitely. I think that's one of the things that really draw, drew me into Crazy Jane. So... Diane Guerrero, as you mentioned, plays Crazy Jane, and her whole deal is she's got 64 personalities. Right. She is the embodiment of dissociative identity disorder. <laughs> and not only that, but each of those personalities has a metahuman power to it. Which is dope. It's it's so much fun. I do not want to spoil anything, just in case y'all want to use this show as a, hey, maybe I should watch this. Let me just stop you right here. You should watch it. But... It's it, it's just so cool because Diane Guerrero has to play all of these vastly different characters, sometimes uh, up to 12 plus in one episode. You know, after watching her performance in this, just put her in everything. She has some serious range, and this is a show where she really gets to flex her acting chops, and she's just so convincing. She, she does it so well. She executes on it so well. It's just top-notch stuff from her. And Crazy Jane is such an interesting character because one of the really cool things that it does is you get to explore, you know, why she has these 64 personalities. And I think that's one thing that I'll get into in a little bit is, you know, the, the these traumas that these characters have. Suffice to say... Crazy Jane is awesome, dope character. She's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think one of the really cool aspects of Crazy Jane is not just, you know, and I don't, you know, we don't want to spoil much, but there is an episode where we actually get to dive deeper into Jane herself and, like, what makes up. Because, so with DID, a lot of people, and I don't have it, I just do research on it because I think it's a very interesting way of self-protection. Um, and I know that's not necessarily how everybody goes into DID or not how, and it's not how everybody ends up diagnosed with DID, but it is for a lot of people self-protection. Like they're protecting oneself by creating an altar. Their mind creates an altar. And so seeing Jane create these altars um, and getting to see each one kind of come to life. And there is a particular episode where it's kind of like, a machine gun. It's one and then the other and then the other and then the other and then the other. And it's so cool to see Diane Guerrero literally go from one character to the next to the next and transition beautifully. Obviously, she probably had to like pause, recollect herself because they even take on physical attributes that normally DID you don't 
you don't see. But with DID, you know, for those who may not know what it is, is someone who creates, you know, their mind creates a bunch of alters in their brain and they kind of go into kind of like a dormant state when they're not at the forefront or they're, you know, aware, but they're, you know, not talking. So it's kind of like three rooms. There's the front room where you're in charge and there's the dormant room and then there's the kind of hangout space, you know, and these are all not technical terms, but there is an episode where we get to kind of dive deeper into Jane's like hangout space. And it's so cool to see like them together, you know, like how they actually interact because we only see one at a time and she talks to them and talks about them, but we get to see them interact. Either way, if you, it's, I say all this because it's not just one face the whole time, which is really, really cool. And it made me really excited because I find that kind of, that kind of deep dive really interesting. The journey to get to know Jane is a continuing journey. It's something that even in season two, we're continuing to explore in a big way. Mm-hmm. She's just so interesting. She's well, probably one of the most interesting characters. Absolutely. Next to Rita Farr. Rita Farr. <laughs> I love Rita Farr. I like Rita because I, 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 li- I like Rita a lot. She is probably the most understated. I agree. Of the, of the characters. I mean, they do get... We do get the same level of, you know, backstory with her. Yeah. And April Bowlby does put on a great performance for her. And so real quick synopsis on her character. April Bowlby plays Rita Farr, who becomes Elastigirl for the Doom Patrol. And basically her whole thing is anything that sort of threatens her vanity or self-image causes her to turn into a giant blob. (laughs) <laughs> at least at this point in the show. Uh, it's kind of contrary to what we get in the comics, where basically she just shrinks and grows. Oh, I like the blob. The blob is really funny, because I think it's really appropriate that she just becomes this hideous-looking blob. Right. Um, and so she's a, mov- she's a movie star, had an accident, and now she has to deal with this blob thing whenever something impacts her image, basically. So... If someone says something negative about her or some, she starts thinking negative things about herself, it's a big vanity thing for her because as, as a, you know, 1950s star in the cinema or the pictures, as she calls them, that was something that was very consuming for her. And you get to explore what that looks like and how she learns to overcome that and grow as a character while tr- also learning how to control this power. Yeah. And I think Rita Farr is definitely the most stereotypical, like, female character in Doom Patrol, being that she is the one that wants to change her mindset. You know, we always get that one pretty girl or popular one who's like, oh, my insides are just as ugly as my outsides when I blob up. And so she has kind of the most stereotypical arc of, of Doom Patrol. But it's done in such a way that you're not bored with Rita. Like, she is my second favorite character. Not just because of her development and her growth, but she's also extremely witty and hilarious. And I love watching her sit in front of the television eating buckets and buckets of chicken. 
quoting her movies. Like that's just so, those those scenes are so funny. It's it's hysterical, and you that's I mean that's one of the first things that you see in the show too. Um, <laughs> I, is is she's watching her own movies with Nas Calder? Yeah, you see that a lot from her. And, you know, we're not going to get into all the backstories for the characters, but I th- I just think that hers is particularly interesting in that it's a true challenging manifestation of her insecurities. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I recognize going forward in all of these characters is their metahuman powers embody kind of who they are almost. Like for me, like Jane is crazy her name says it itself but like learning more about her history like i see where her multiple personalities would have come into play had she not had powers i see where you know rita would have probably been this like ugly blob even if she didn't have her powers you know we we talk about robot man who is literally just a brain cliff was pretty much just thinking with his brain you know, he was pretty much just like, I mean, everyone thinks with their brain. That was a really stupid comment. I was going in one direction and I was like, I can't say that on our podcast. If I could offer an alternative for Cliff, the Cliff's big thing is that he was seeking excitement, the adrenaline, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And now he's in a body where he can literally feel nothing. Right. And, you know, Larry also has, he has a physical distortion and but he he was living a double life and now he is negative man who is literally another thing inside of him and his power literally has to escape him for him to utilize it you know what i mean so each character it's really well done to where each character's metahuman power actually parallels to probably what they were very similar to pre- metahuman powers or what they probably were going to be for the rest of their lives had they not had these powers i would love to take a minute and talk about negative man go for it you mentioned negative man and that's just i wanted i wanted to save negative man for a little bit because i think that his is one of the more nuanced Mm -hmm. his is just really interesting so matt bomber plays larry trainer who is negative man He's the guy that's wrapped up like a mummy, basically, that you see in the show, wears sunglasses. Now, in the show, we get a little bit of a different spin on Negative Man than we do in the comics. Biggest change was making the character gay. In a lot of cases, changing the source material in that way doesn't always work because it feels like it's shoehorned in as a way to, you know, check a diversity and inclusion box. But we have Danny. (laughs) So it's all good. But the way they do it in Doom Patrol introduces and explores this in such a tactful and organic way, doing no small part to the casting for Larry, played by Matt Bomber, who is gay in real life. It fits in really well with the character, too, because Larry's journey is about accepting and exploring this thing that's inside of him. Physically, it's this negative negative spirit, uh, this cosmic entity that inhabits his body. But also thinking about Larry's homosexuality, it's also a fundamental aspect of his character that he also explores. So I just think that the way that they changed the source material really worked out for the better. And it complemented the character very well. Yeah, I I really appreciate 
Larry's character because he is more of the grounded, down-to-earth character, kind of our neutral party. We have, you know, some of the characters who are like, go get them, let's figure this out type characters. And then we have some that are like, eh, better not. And Larry's kind of that happy medium ground where he doesn't really feel comfortable going one way or the other. He just kind of follows the pack. You know, that at least that's the that's the impression I get from him and Rita, honestly. You know, especially at the very beginning. I, you know, they paired up really well and they didn't really want to do much of anything on either spectrum because they didn't want to get in trouble with Niles, but they also didn't want to get in trouble with people. But they wanted to save people. So it was just like a whole crazy thing. Um, but I really appreciated just kind of like, you know, you said the diversity aspect of having Larry be gay. Um, it it not only was subtle enough where it wasn't like in your face, but it tells enough of a story to where we get, a, we have a lot more sympathy for the struggles that Larry has on both fronts, being he's bound up and has this weird thing inside of him, but he also struggles with his sexuality. Yeah. So. Definitely. It's good. And then there's Cliff. <laughs> Can we talk about Cliff for a second? <laughs> I thought we already talked about Cliff. Uh, I mean, not a whole lot. I kind of just brushed up, you know, brushed past him being he's a robot. I mean, yeah. I mean, one, one of the big things about Cliff that's interesting for me is that Doom Patrol, much like Justice League Avengers has had a rotating cast. And with Doom Patrol, Cliff, played by Brendan Fraser, becoming Robot Man, has been an ever-present fixture in the Doom Patrol since its inception in 1963. He's always been part of every single Doom Patrol. He's also probably one of the more recognizable characters as well, being that he's this shoddily constructed, welded metal man he brings a lot of personality to the show but there's also a lot of heart he's trying to do the right thing if cliff had a tagline i think it would be bless his heart he tries (laughs) yes cliff is also the only one without a superpower or is really the only member of the doom patrol who is more manufactured opposed to having a without a Barry Allen experience attached to it we think of Barry Allen getting struck by lightning from Star Labs he is now the Flash in certain aspects of this every other character kind of has one of those moments where they become a superhero Cliff is the only one without like a special power negative man comes out of Larry he's like this awesome thing who can do a bunch of different stuff Rita Farr has the ability to be Elastigirl. Like, she melts right now, but you can only assume what she's going to be able to do later on if we've got the name Elastigirl. Yeah. And then you have Crazy Jane, who literally has 64 powers. You know? Like, all of these people have superpowers. And then there's Cliff, who literally is like, he can't feel anything. He really can only lift things that are super, super heavy. Like, he's a super strong guy. But he's just a brain in a robot. So getting all of these emotions and kind of having that character who doesn't have superpowers, the Batman, the Iron Man, the people who are just rich and have a lot of money, he kind of represents those, but the poorer side, the more Aladdin side of superheroes. Poor guy got like 
But frankly, the best thing about Cliff is Brendan Fraser's performance. <laughs> he is so funny. But the last thing that I wanted to talk about is the narrative device that we get in Doom Patrol. And I'll start off by saying that it's incredibly unique. You know, the very first character we're introduced to in this series is a villain called Mr. Nobody, who is our fourth wall breaking narrator. It's very Deadpool-esque, but what's more interesting about it is that Mr. Nobody not only gifts us with exceptionally hysterical and entertaining narratives, but the narratives he constructs is almost like a superpower in itself. He has a control over what we see and what happens to these characters, almost like a sociopathic, godlike, omniscient entity. And by the way, it's Alan Tudyk, <laughs> whose performance just takes it up to another level. Uh, it elevates this already unique and interesting villain to what I consider to be one of the best big bads I've seen in a long time. I have to agree. I mean, it's it's unique in itself on how he literally takes this entire TV show, this whole first season, and reiterates it into his own personal story throughout, like, in that being his power. Like, you said it best when it, that literally is his power. And it's so cool. But he also goes by Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody is quite literally a sectioned man who narrates the entire show and has power to literally change what happens. You know, he he speaks and it happens. It's just, I mean, overall, it's great. The The big bad for this is just by far an out, outstanding decision. I hate the word decision. It feels weird when I say it. Decision. <laughs> One of the things that I also really loved about Doom Patrol was the connection between each episode, but also the like story each episode told on its own. Like I feel like I could go back and just watch one episode in a random order and still gain information that's not necessarily connected to the prior episode or really connect to the episode forward of it. You know, like in Clone Wars, we have arcs. I feel like Doom Patrol does a really good job about telling a story within an episode, leaving you on a cliffhanger for maybe the main story, but still fulfilling all of these little sub-stories throughout the entire series. Their titles are also gold. Yeah, jumping in about the the structure of it, you know, the these episodes do have a very clear-cut beginning, middle, and end. Obviously, this is a comic book show, and it plays out just like a comic book run would. Um, so if you have four issues and a given storyline... That's what it, basically an episode of this is. And it has a logical beginning point, middle point, and end point. It doesn't drag anything out. Right. And for me, it still maintains my full attention because there are two things that are relatively consistent from episode to episode and that continue to build off each other from episode to episode. And that's the character development, of course, as these characters grow throughout the series and there's generally an overarching conflict that these other things are just kind of part of the journey mm -hmm. so to speak so yeah I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because that's something that i really appreciate in this yeah and 
you know, we have these characters who have at this point lived for years and years and years and years. You know, it's it's no secret that Larry is well in his like 80s or 90s, technically. It's no secret that Rita is well into her 50s or 60s. You know, the because she was 1950s actress. So she's probably she's probably even more than that. She's probably in her hundreds almost. Yeah. You know, Cliff is probably well into his 40s, 50s, 60s because his daughter is technically supposed to be in her 20s. And then Niles is like 100 plus. <laughs> we don't even talk about Niles. <laughs> He's just old. Um, they don't really go into Jane's age, though, which is something that I that baffles me, but I also really love because of all of her alters and all of her characters. We get to see the different levels of age and maturity through through her without having to know her specific age but what i'm getting at is you know these all these characters have frozen in the age that they became superheroes quote unquote i use that term loosely we're still developing ourselves as superheroes as rita would say we're still developing ourselves (laughs) in our characters But we get that backstory and we get those flashbacks and they're so clear and understandable. One of the things that I struggle with sometimes with comic book shows or just with comic books in general is when we do flashback or when we do have a memory and it's not a clear cut difference. That's one of the reasons why I loved The Killing Joke so much was because it was a very clear flashback. In Doom Patrol, we also get that extremely clear flashback with, you know, not just the date and the location and time period of it but the tv show really does give me that time periods feel when we're walking through the scenery you know whether it be walking through an alleyway or larry about to get into his airplane we really feel brought into that environment any other point that i could potentially make would probably be a spoiler okay and i don't want to spoil it it's fair enough for me, you know, just, just kind of wrapping things up and would love to hear your final thoughts as well. But for me, these are characters that are so broken and flawed, both physically and mentally. You know, they've they've all fallen down so far thinking about Larry at the top of his game. He was in the Air Force, just absolutely stud in that arena. Rita being this movie star, top of her game. And then Cliff who is champion race car driver. You get those characters, they're all at the top of their game. And then they just fell so far. Their lives started to match their insides, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Became rotten from the inside out. And fundamentally, I think this is a show that's about second chances and giving these characters a second chance and to fully realize and work on their flaws you know, you hear the term emotional roller coaster a lot when people describe movies and television. And in most cases, personally, I think it's a little overused and loses a lot of meaning when you come across something on the screen that's so incredibly emotionally profound. Doom Patrol is really one of those shows. It has so much heart to it and unapologetically believes in its own messages. I'll end with this. These are not well-known characters. I had never heard about Doom Patrol before, but frankly, could not have cared less about watching the show. What's remarkable about this show is that 
unlike a lot of superhero adaptations that come onto the screen, it doesn't rely on the audience being a fan of any one particular character. I don't know who Cliff Steele is. I didn't know who uh, Rita Farr was. I couldn't have cared less. But it teaches you to fall in love with these characters. It courts you as the audience with the this masterful storytelling. It, it's, it's just really remarkable. And you don't see this very often. And the closest thing that I can liken this to is what I experienced with this show called Legion. But Doom Patrol just... Wow, it's true. It's truly a work of art. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I'm really enjoying as we enter into season two with Doom Patrol is I was like you. I didn't know what Doom Patrol was. I didn't know who Crazy Jane was. We just happened to be talking about potentially seeing it because it had been talked about in our circle a little bit. And so you got HBO Max, we watched the first episode, and then we couldn't put it down. But entering into the second season, one of the things that I'm loving is we're still developing these characters. They're doing it in such a way where it's a slow burn, but you're not sitting there questioning, who on earth is this person? You know, we watch so many superhero TV shows, and we watch so many things where we sit back and we're like, all right clock's ticking, we're coming up on the end of the season, and I still don't know who X, Y, and Z are. You know, CW has several shows that way, and even our some of our favorites have these shows where we're like, okay, we're an hour in, we're five episodes deep, please give me something to hold on to. And this, you know, Doom Patrol does such a great job of creating that character in that episode, gives you just the amount that you need where you're not questioning who they really are in the future but then when you get another nugget you're like wow I didn't even think that that could possibly be another layer to this character it's it's really well done and it's beautiful to see these layers being pulled away deeper and deeper definitely and I mean you mentioned like there are some shows out there that you still don't feel like you know a character after five episodes Doom Patrol does that in two episodes in two hours Mm -hmm you learn pretty much everything that we have just talked about and more. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen a whole lot. No. You have these origin stories for single characters that don't even do it this well. And we just talked about five, six characters right? that we learned and get to know. Mm-hmm. With with it being what you called a slow burn, I think it's, it's very gentle in the yeah. way that it does things. I wouldn't call it the slow burn a slow burn in the same way that I would call, you know, some noir films snow, slow burns because right. the pacing in this is just so spot on. It's exciting. You're very engaged throughout it. Right. It's it's one of those shows where you get caught up. You're at you're at the episode, the most recent released episode, and. You it, you can patiently wait for the next week, but you can't at the same time. Like, you're not hanging on to a massive cliffhanger that's going to irritate you for seven days, but you are. It's, it's that gentle, like, hey, this is what's going to happen next week. You're going to really like it. And then you end up liking it. But it's not eating away at you, like, oh my goodness, can someone please tell me who Stargirl is? And is that actually her father or not? Like... 
I had to say it. We're how many episodes in and I still don't understand Stargirl. <laughs> I still don't get it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just confused. Any final thoughts before we wrap up here, Liv? Go watch this show. Go watch it now. It's worth it. Get HBO Max. Because honestly, let, let's let's just have a moment for a second. If you get HBO Max, now I could be sounding slightly like a hypocrite because honestly, Dave's the one who pays for HBO Max. Get and yourself a man who has <laughs> HBO Max is what she's saying. Get yourself a man who has HBO Max, Disney Plus, and Netflix. <laughs> and Hulu. Those are the things we watch. Those are the main four we watch, right? You also have CBS. I have CBS All Access and Amazon Prime. Oh, that's right. You have Amazon Prime, too. Like, get yourself a man who has all the streaming services. But, like, HBO Max is is very much worth it. You know, even if it was just Doom Patrol, it's very much worth it. But you also have Teen Titans, the OG Teen Titan show from Cartoon Network. Please do yourself a favor. Get HBO Max for Teen Titans and Doom Patrol. And then hit us up in our DMs and let's talk about Doom Patrol. Because right now, the only person I know who watches Doom Patrol is Dave. And we talk about it all the time. And I love talking about it with him. But I would love to talk to some females who watch Doom Patrol and are just as as much obsessed with Rita Farr as I am. <laughs> I love Rita Farr. <laughs> also, HBO Max is where we're going to be in the Snyder Cut Good Good. Oh, that's why we originally got it. I forgot. <laughs> No, so the the story goes, I already had HBO now. That's right. And they automatically pushed me over to HBO Max. How dare they? I didn't complain. I mean, I didn't either. Just trying to be dramatic. <laughs> um, Channeling my Rita. I just love Rita. You know who she kind of reminds me of? Who? Moira. She really does. That's probably why I love her so much. She's like a less... <laughs> She's a less version of Moira. She's a poor version of Moira. Oh, uh, Moira's poor. You're right. She's less. She's a younger Moira. <laughs> I would venture to say that Rhea's a little more down to earth now, than Moira. Now, yes. Some of her flashbacks give me... Her flashbacks are very much Moira. Oh, yes. Period. Done and done. Moira from Schitt's Creek. Yes. For those of you who are not blessed enough to have graced Schritz, <laughs> to have graced Schitt's Creek upon your life, do it, do it, and make sure if you do, you check out Force of Light Entertainment as well. They have a great show on Schitt's Creek, so go make sure you go check them out. And on the subject of other podcast recommendations. If you're looking for a companion guide to your Doom Patrol journey, make sure you go over to Arkham Sessions and check them out. They've been running through each episode one by one and unpacking the psychology and the psyche, the medical professional practitioner side of things. They actually have a doc on the show who drops some serious knowledge. Absolutely brilliant show. We love our friends over at the Arkham Sessions, so make sure you go check them out. And... On that note, we at Pizza and Parsecs are also going to be running through each episode as well to give a less clinical um, <laughs> assessment of these episodes because definitely don't want to overlap with our friends over there. But we just want really, really want to talk about this show. Oh, yeah. It'll be less clinical, more judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> more more opinion-based. <laughs> we're, the, we're at the diagnosis you don't want to hear. <laughs> The doctor is out on pizza and parsecs. <laughs> <laughs> We're 
the, just throw some dirt on it. It'll be fine. Anywho. Uh, I cracked myself up. <laughs> so, I love this show. I love you. Ah, uh, that was weird. Let's, <laughs> let's not make that sound ever again. Ah, <laughs> that's kind of how Cliff says things. Aw. Anywho. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of Pizza and Parsecs. I'm Dave. I'm Liv. And we are proud to call the Red 5 Network home. If you're picking up what we're putting down, smelling what we're stepping in, and are looking to step up your pod playlist game, head on over to red5network.com and check out our brothers and sisters in the Red 5 family. They've got a great variety of shows that we just know you'll enjoy. And you can check out our show not only on red5network.com, but you can head on over to www.pizzaandparsex.com or on your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, you can find links to all of these at bit.ly backslash links PNP. And as always, if you have enjoyed this show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rate and review. We love internet validation. It makes us feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. And this just goes a long way to that it makes me feel complete i desperately need this <laughs> i've been sitting here literally like i know how i'm gonna conclude today and i'm just like what are you saying <laughs> uh, i need this <laughs> speaking of things we need we need internet friends so make sure you're hitting us up on our socials at pizza and parsecs give us a holler on the facebooks the twitters the facebooks the Facebooks, the Facebooks. <laughs> no one likes Facebook. The Facebooks. <laughs> the Instagrams. Hit, make sure you hit us up on those. Give us a holler. We always holler back. We'll holler. Because we need friends. Uh, we need this. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting married. You know, we need friends. Help us. <laughs> and as always, thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye.